Have you ever watched an apocalyptic sci-fi movie and wondered, could any of this really happen? I'm Carrie Bechet, and on Hypothetical, we explore what-if questions two ways, through speculative science fiction and through insight from the world's most brilliant scientists. And spoiler alert, your favorite sci-fi movies aren't nearly as far-fetched as you may think. Time travel with me into our possible futures on Hypothetical. New episodes every Tuesday available on all podcast apps. That's Hypothetical, H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L. Welcome to Bitches on Comics. I'm S.E. Flinor, and I'm here with my good pal and co-host, Sarah Century. Hi. We're both co-hosts. We're co-co-hosting. We'll co-co-co-co-host. Howdy. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Howdy. Howdy. This is my podcast. <laughs> so the comic book I read most recently is Folklore Volume 2, written by Adam Ma and illustrated by Colin Tan Wei. I... Didn't know what to expect. I actually haven't read volume one, which was like not my goal. I just kind of happened to pick up volume two. And I love it. It's a kind of zombie, kind of like end of the world, kind of apocalyptic. But then like the monsters are shadow monsters. Or is it just one shadow monster? I don't know. I loved it. I thought it was delightful. Wow, that sounds pretty delightful. I'm Sarah Century. And the most recent comic that I have read was the Martian Manhunter series that was written by Steve Orlando and featured art by Riley Rosmo. So that series is so fun, so unbelievably fun, and actually kind of delves a little bit into Martian Manhunter's background as well as his current life in a way that not— I mean, I just got finished reading a ton of Martian Manhunter comics because I did a best of for Comic Book Herald— he doesn't really get to solo too much. Like, he's mostly in the league or whatever. So whenever he actually gets a solo series, it's usually pretty fun. Not all of them, but most of them are good. This one is no exception. This one is super entertaining, beautiful art, everything that you want from a Martian Manhunter story, some stuff that you didn't even know you wanted, and then also kind of going more into his background and talking about, you know, what he really did lose whenever he lost his wife and kid and his people, right? So that story is really good. I appreciated it a lot because I was just dying for Martian Manhunter content, so. I do love Martian Manhunter, so I love him. to checking that out. I love him. He is my favorite if I were in the Justice League, I would just take every opportunity to try to hang out with Martian Manhunter. <laughs> I'd be like, what's up? Like, <laughs> do you want to get coffee and just be BFFs? Because you, I, video games, great. like, I don't even play video games, but I would get into them <laughs> if you wanted to do like a hangout situation. <laughs> yeah, I would love to hang out with Martian Manhunter. All right, everybody, we've got a question. This one is from Anil and was from Instagram. Hi, y'all. Hi. Hi. I just recently binged all your episodes and I love your podcast so much. Thank you for binging all of the episodes. If you have gotten through all of the episodes and you want some more episodes, our Patreon has a ton of free episodes, regardless of if you subscribe or not. If you subscribe, you get more. But patreon.com slash bitches on comics. You got to type it out. You can't search us because we say fuck. <laughs> A lot. Like, a lot. 
We'll probably do it here in a minute. <laughs> as soon as I'm done reading this question, which has the F-bomb almost never. So I also recently read Angela, Queen of Hell, because I love my parents, Angela and Sarah. Yes, you won us over. We love that series. And I saw that Leah of Hell is reintroduced, but I was very confused because she died in Journey into Mystery, right? She did. Turns out she's from a Secret Wars tie-in book of the Siege event where she's romantically with magic. She is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I want to read more about that every day. Mm -hmm. they, they kiss in the far background of a battle at one point. <laughs> and I was just like, literally, it's page after page after page. And then in the far, far background, you see like this tiny little picture of Ilyana and Leah kissing. And I'm just like, throw out the whole rest of the comic. This is all I want. <laughs> so, turns out Secret Wars tie-in Siege event, romantically with magic. Yes, I remember very clearly. Anyway, I wanted to ask if you could kind of explain the Secret Wars event and how you felt about certain versions of characters being gay, but not in the main continuity. Hate it, but we'll get into it. <laughs> also wanted to know if there are good titles to read from the Secret Wars event. Yes, once again, we'll get into it. Thank you so much for your question. It was a really good one, and I am so excited to get into it. Yeah, and it's a, it's a three-parter, and we love that. We love your complex questions. So, mm -hmm. yeah, Sarah, talk to us about Leah of Hell. Leah is really fun. She's like, what a great character. Just so entertaining. She kind of is. I understand why they would ship Ilyana and Leah because literally Leah is kind of the Ilyana of the Thor universe, mm -hmm. right? Like Leah is this very demented person who is like from this hellscape, essentially. Like, because, you know, hell, H E L. <laughs> There's many different hells, so I I never am like, oh, the hell, you know, or something. There's so many hells, so who knows which one. This is the one with just the one L, as we know Hela for. She's fun. She shows up in Journey into Mystery most prominently. That's where I know the character. I don't know if that's where her first appearance is, but that's just what I know her from. And she is just a perfect deadpan foil to the young, comparatively somewhat excitable and optimistic Loki, mm -hmm. right? All of their interactions, so worth it. And he's like, we're going to be best friends. And she's like, I will laugh when you die. And he's just <laughs> like, we're going to be best friends. Such a good dynamic. Yeah, there's so much of it. And it's so good. And oh, yeah, do I ship? I do, for sure. Not Leah and Loki necessarily, because I have a whole enchantress Loki as lesbians kind of thing. But you know what? We'll get to that another time. I do very much ship Leah and Ilyana because what a good demonic duo. Like, that is so exciting. I want to hear all of the story. I want to know. <laughs> I just want to know what love is, I guess. <laughs> I want you to show me. Um... <laughs> like, show me literally in this comic, right? Like, I want to know what love is. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Leah's the tits, you know? She's, you know, the handmaiden of Hela. Is she a clone of Hela? Is she a... Clone isn't quite the right word. I can't remember what word they use in, like, the Thor universe. Yeah. Where it's like a... Like a reincarnation. It's kind of the same as the mini Lokis, right? Like, exactly, in a way. Exactly. Exactly. So, Leah's super, super dope. And, and, you know, we'll start talking about the Siege comics. So, the Siege comics, they're... Maybe we should start by... It's so hard. This is, like, such a... Where do you, what, what thread do you pick? So, Secret Wars... Oh, God. Right. <laughs> is an event that originally happened in the 80s, I believe. And it was all action it figures. It was about selling action figures. Mattel created it. <laughs> 
because secret and wars were things that tested through the roof with kids, yeah. which is very upsetting, first of all. But like, <laughs> mm-hmm. but secondly, secret wars, you know, they were just like, this will sell one million. It was a gym shooter thing, mm-hmm. like the Beyonder comes in. It's like, you must battle and then anything that you want, I can give to you. And actually, you know, you don't have to read all those comics. If you want to read a quick sort of hilarious summary of them in this event. So there's a second Secret Wars. There's actually, there's a second Secret War. And then there's this Secret Wars, which is in 2015. This is when this event happened. If you want to know what happened in the one in the 80s, you actually just have to read Deadpool's Secret Secret Wars. It's a very funny sort of summary of what happened. And essentially, people don't remember Deadpool was there because Janet Van Dyne causes them not to remember how. Who knows? Because it's Secret Wars. If you want to get a quick and dirty, what was going on? Why was this happening? It's pretty hilarious, I think, summary of that. And it exists in this event, but it, of course, being Deadpool is like, oh, no, not that stupid secret war, this secret war. (laughs) So if you want a quick summary, go read that. I also would recommend that Jay and Miles Explain the X-Men had a episode that talks about secret wars because it's one of those crossovers where no matter what you're covering, if it's a Marvel comic from the 80s, you're covering Secret mm-hmm. Wars, right? Like it's happening. And um, they break down a lot of this stuff that's really goofy and silly and fun about it. The same as the Deadpool comic does. Yes. That's another great way to get in that. I mean, you could also go read them all. Go ahead. They're they're all on Marvel Universe or Marvel Unlimited or whatever the fuck the There's called. moments. They have their moments. I will give them that. There is some pretty fun stuff in there at times. I want to put in big capital letters that I said at times because I don't mean all of the time and I don't mean most of the time. <laughs> I just mean <laughs> at times. So this Secret Wars, the 2015 Secret Wars, there's sort of, and Sarah, tell me where I'm wrong. There's two major parts of it. There's like the Secret Wars lead in. So that's a lot of, a lot of the titles changed from like Miss Marvel to Last Days of Miss Marvel is the the issues that are Secret Wars tie in. Those are really cute. So if you do want to read some more of the lead up into the second part, totally recommend the Miss Marvel series. It's super cute. And she gets to meet Captain Marvel and the whole interaction is just like, oh my God, so fucking adorable. I love it. Mm, And a good lead up too, because later whenever she kind of calls Carol out a little bit, I think that it just gives so much background to that moment Mm -hmm. because it's like, no, this is a girl meeting like, her hero. Yeah. And holding her account. Oh, I got chills. I got chills. Yeah. So then I don't know the exact, like the universes collide, a bunch get destroyed. Dr. Doom. Yeah. (laughs) Only two survive, but they get patchworked together into the second part of Secret Wars, which is Battle World. And I love Battle World. I fucking love Battle World. So what's cool about Battle World is it's, and again, I think I'm right, Sarah, so tell me where I'm wrong. The 616 universe, so like the main Marvel universe, that the universe of like our universe. And then there's the, I think it's 1606 is the other one. That's the ultimate universe. Those two mm-hmm. universes smash into each other. And then what's left in this Battle World is a patchwork of characters from each. Part of it was how they were getting rid of the Ultimate Universe, right? Exactly. Because it kind of had just dragged on and outlived its usefulness in a lot of ways. Exactly. And they were like, well, we could take these three concepts and let it go, right? Yep. And I think that that happens again and again in comics. Sometimes people refer to it as like the Marvel Infinite Crisis or Crisis on Infinite Earth. And I'm like, mm, kind of, there's different blah, blah, blah. But yeah, sure. And, <laughs> there's different blah, and blah. also. <laughs> You keep saying, like, correct me when I'm wrong, and it's just like, this whole crossover's wrong. You know that there's no way that the continuity is right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, everything's wrong. It's fine. Whatever. 
I read this like one time, like the main, the central series I read about one time, I think about when it came out, maybe like a year later or something like that. And it's a good series. I like it. I think that a lot of the things really work. It's a great Doctor Doom story. Oh my God. Yeah. Because in in the end, it kind of is a Doctor Doom story. Exactly. It's all about him becoming God Emperor Doom, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I enjoy that. I thought it was really fun. Yeah, Doom's cool in it. You get to deal with, like, he deals with some of his, his uh, you know, issues. He's got issues and he has to face some of them. So what I think of Battleworld as being most famous for because of the kind of comic reader I am is the first A-Force is actually takes place on Battleworld. Written by G. Willow Wilson, thank God, because it's actually legit. But Siege is another one of the comic titles taking place in Battle World. So Siege is predominantly about Abigail Brand, who is in charge of the shield, which is a giant wall that separates the sort of wastelands, as they're called, which is like all the, the baddies that like end up in hordes. So like zombies, giant centipedes, Ultrons, sentinels, Blah, 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 from the civilized, quote-unquote, area that Doom oversees. That civilized area is mm-hmm. broken into a bunch of different worlds and, and regions as well. So one of the islands inside of a lake, inside of the area overseen by Doom, is where A-Force takes place. Siege takes place on the wall and is about a siege. It's called Siege because it's about a siege, is like the tagline of the whole comic. Written by Kieran Gillen. Again, I think really fun. And I love Abigail Brand, so I enjoyed all of it. But a sort of undercurrent is the magic and Leah love story. Leah's like, I'm going to go into the wastelands and find Ileana. And Abigail's like, no, you're going to go die. And we know that that's true because giant centipedes have come out and written onto their DNA is that Hank Pym is really sorry he went into the wastelands thinking he could fix it. Please kill him. It's like from Hank Pym. And then we also see Nick Fury comes back as Nick the Fury. (laughs) Man, I love Battleworld because it's like, what's the silliest thing we can try and make super serious? Nick the Fury, of course. So then, you know, (laughs) Leah's going off and Abigail's like, don't do it. You won't find her. She's dead. And Leah's like, Fuck you, fuck your house, fuck your wall. I'm going for my wife. Walks off into the wastelands. You're like, oh no, not Leah. And the art is really cool in Siege. I wanted to say that while I was here. And then at some point, (laughs) Leah and Magic like roll up riding a giant colossus surrounded by hordes of zombies that they have exerted magical control over. And it is like the most epic return two queer women could make. You know, they're just like, we're mm-hmm. back, bitches. They're <laughs> like, yes. whoa. And then they kiss on like Colossus's back and you're just like, I love all of it. There's nothing about this I don't love. Except that it's so short. I love them. So that would mostly lead into your next question, right? Which is, how do you feel about characters that are gay in an alternate universe and not gay in regular universe? I mostly hate it. It annoys me a lot. I understand from the creator's perspective, right? Because it's like, if you have, for instance, like the Exile series that had James Howlett and Hercules in a relationship. I was going to say, they're always the ones I think about when people ask this question. We will never see Wolverine kiss a man in the 616, right? Like maybe 
correct me if I'm wrong. You know, like I would love, love, love. I would love to be wrong, but I think you're right. I mean, I talked about this on Cerebrocast with Connor a little bit, which was basically just like, these are definitely characters that are action figures that are major corporations. We were pretty fortunate to get Iceman. Now, I understand that we need more and we do need to keep pushing these corporations. However, a character like Wolverine is like, oh yeah, would you make like Batman gay, basically? And I would love a gay Batman. I think that that's the, one of the most genius takes you could take on that character to actually explore that in a way that wasn't shitty and homophobic. But I also think that Wolverine is just not the one we're going to see it happen with. So when in that series, it's like doing it in an alternate reality is the only way we're going to get that, right? And so that's what made it be really fun and really likable. And I feel kind of almost the same way about certain other times where we've seen it. But it's like sometimes it ends up because isn't Alan Scott now gay in the regular universe, but he was it was like, oh, here's the Earth 2 universe and all of this right in DC. And that might have led to that character ultimately coming out. I know that that's what happened with Willow, right? We saw like a by Willow and then Willow comes out as gay in the regular universe. And I think that there's something to be said for how that can be an opening door for things, but also it is a one that reeks of cowardice, right? Mm -hmm. And like also one that's just like, oh my God, the hoops we have to jump through, you guys. Like, it gets really exhausting sometimes because you read this and you're just like, oh, okay, so alternate reality, this person could kiss a man, mm -hmm. but not Wolverine in the yellow suit. Like, that would never happen, right? Like, he's a exactly. manly man. Cowboy Wolverine, sure, but yellow Spanx Wolverine, never. Part of what's fun about playing around with alternate universe stuff is that like, oh, what would I do in that situation? Or like, what would this character do if everything around them changed? Like, what parts would still be true to them? Like, we can never tell. That's like the fun of that question. But it's also the downside of that question because it doesn't lead anywhere, right? Mm -hmm. I can think, oh, if I were born in 1920, probably I'd still be a lesbian, right? But like, I don't know. We don't really know why people are lesbians. <laughs> like, I mean, I think I would be because I'd be like, art is cool. And then eventually I did, you know, like it would. You would end up at a haunted house being a lesbian with other people who are haunted by things other than ghosts, you know? Right. I know. I 100% would. Or maybe my wife would just come save me in this situation, right? Where like <laughs> Leah goes hunting for Ilyana. <laughs> maybe my wife would have saved me in 1920s New York. Once again, it's fun because it's open-ended. What, what would we do? How would it be? You know, who knows? But it is a downside whenever you're dealing with queerness because I feel like queerness is something that people can so easily erase already. Yeah. So being like, oh, it could be like this over here, but over here it's not like this is very much a thing of like, oh, so like a character can be a lesbian while it's convenient, but like eventually, you know, this and that. And I think that obviously we don't view things in that way because we're, you know, queer people. We know a lot about bisexuality, many different genders, pansexuality, all of the different things that would make that be something that's not necessarily, it's not that reductive, right? However, we're talking about people who are viewing it very reductively. So it becomes a very complicated issue. It just kind of enables erasure in some ways, or maybe it opens a door. Who knows? Like, it's hard to tell, but either way, I do hate it. <laughs> yeah. I I am not a huge fan of it. I love queer characters. So I'm always like, yay! And I think Battle World's like a, a weird sort of different situation 
Because there's more than one Leah on Battle World, right? I'm pretty sure. That's what I was going to say. I was like, we need Leah and Ilyana kissing. Yeah. So if this is how it happened, great. Yeah. Whatever. And, right? and I'll say, you know, so much of what we sometimes feel like is queer baiting in, in these major properties is a queer creator doing everything they can to bring queer relationships and queer people to the page. Like, so this is by mm-hmm. this is by a bisexual man. Like, Kieran Gillen has done real, real good by us. You know, <laughs> like, Young Avengers, thank you. You know, you've shown up for us and, and a million other titles, right? Peter Cannon, Thunderbolt, amazing. And I think that this is an example that it does end up being like a bummer because Leah and Magic should be together. They clearly are an a, like amazing couple. And I'm sorry if you can tame an undead horde on the back of a giant colossus. I think you could make it work in 616. But yeah, it's a bummer. I, I don't love it. I don't love the alternate universe. Unless it does exactly what you pointed out from Willow and, and her experience of seeing the queer vampire and being like, And I think oh, I'm kind of gay. I think I'm kind of gay. I think I'm kind of gay is like the words that are literally, I'm so evil and skinky. I think and I'm kind of gay. Kinda gay. Literally, uh-huh. the realization I have every June 1st on Pride. But... <laughs> uh, another one that I, I think of a lot is from Dakota Pride issue two. There's a story called Two Strong Arms to Defend Myself. And what's really cool about it is it's a story of a transmasculine character who meets a time-traveling version of himself who is fully out as a trans man and living in his gender when they're a child and not not there yet. And I'm using he and they because the pronouns aren't made clear in the story. I don't, uh, so I'm switching between the two to be clear. I love that story. I love stories where, like I've, I kind of want to write a multiverse story where a trans character meets themselves, but they're like not out in the other story and they see what they can be, you know? And like, so I think there's some cool stuff that can be done there. It doesn't always have to be negative, but I think unless it comes to bear on the main timeline, it is like you said, Sarah, all for naught. And a tool of erasure too. Because it's just like, literally, let's just sweep it under the rug. Exactly. Once again, I wanted to see James Howlett kiss Hercules on the mouth. And we have that forever. Mm -hmm. And they can never take that from Mm -hmm. us. But once again, in that year, I don't know if that was like the only gay character in Marvel Comics that made major appearances, but it would have been one of the few, right? So it's like being like, and it was all make-believe is kind of like, yeah. Some bullshit. And, And, you know, has been used to egregious effect and quite homophobic ends, to your point, Sarah, in TV, film, comics, the books, you know, all over. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be bad, but it is by and large used in a way that is, if not outright erasing, absolutely homophobic or like so othering, you know? I wish, like, wouldn't it be cool if Leah discovered this happened on Battle World because some of the characters do remember some of the things from Battle World like A-Force deals with that because one of the characters who appears in the A-Force Battle World comes to 616 universe and basically causes A-Force to reassemble wouldn't that be amazing What what a beautiful gift that would be if we could go there but obviously it hasn't happened instead of it being like in Bizarro World (laughs) yeah exactly 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 People drive square-wheeled cars Ooh. and also gay people kiss sometimes. Ooh, weird. Don't know how I feel about that, Mattel. But yeah, so then for good titles in the Secret Wars event, like what comes to mind for you, Sarah? I know that we're going to talk about a few. So I don't know if this is the very first one that I love the most, but I will say that it comes up 
as one that I really enjoyed was Weird World. I loved that. And I am kind of a sucker. I know that Jason Aaron is one of those writers. Yes, I see the issues as well. You know, a lot of people are just like, we're done. I don't want to read anything else by this guy. But also I am a sucker for it. Most of the time it's just like adventure, swords, all of the things I love, right? And so it's very much almost Conan the Barbarian, I guess, kind of story. And it's just fun. You can tell that it's from somebody who like has such a love of the sword and sorcery genre that it just made for a really fun read. Yeah, and and we already mentioned Deadpool's Secret Secret Wars, which again is not really in this Secret Wars, but is a fun summary of the last one. Also part of this event, technically. The main Secret Wars story is by Jonathan Hickman. So if you like Hickman's work, you may enjoy that. Uh, also, we mentioned Miss Marvel. It ends up being last days of Miss Marvel. It's, I think, like issues maybe 13 through 17, something like that. And then, um, of course, last days of Loki, Agent of Asgard. That's a really fun time. Some of the coolest shit you see mm-hmm. with Loki happens in those pages. Loki really yeah. deals with her gender fluidity in a way that... Uh, I say deals with, but I mean presents. Like she presents it to other people in a way that's really powerful and and cool to see. We also mentioned A-Force. Absolutely, I consider required reading. G. Willow Wilson killed it on that, as did Marguerite Bennett and the whole team. And we also get to see Lady Loki there, which I had kind of forgotten until I reread it. And I was like, oh, right, Lady Loki is so, like, cool in this. So that one's D-fucking-lightful. The Spider-Verse. The Spider-Verse one's so fun. I enjoyed Spider-Verse quite a bit. I thought that it was super fun. I think that that was my favorite by a pretty long shot whenever it comes to the spider stories Mm -hmm, for this mm -hmm. one. So I did enjoy that one. What did you like about it? I mean, I love Gwen Stacy, man. I will do anything for Gwenpool. Oh, for sure. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Spider-Gwen, Gwenpool. That's a different character that I would also do anything for. I do it all of the time, though, <laughs> because they're both, they're similar, but not, yeah, but yeah, they're both yeah. really fun. And they have, like, same name. Yeah, yeah. Spider-Gwen's great. Like, she's just, she's cool. I like this storyline. There's a lot of different spider people that I don't know if we see many other places, which is really cool. Spider-Ham's hilarious in it. Love Spider-Ham. I always hear the noir Spider-Man in Nick Cage's voice now. <laughs> oh, yeah, so for sure. So I, I enjoyed being back there. That was, like, really, really cute. Yeah, I, I, I loved Spider-Verse. I thought it was just super-duper fun. Of course, we cannot not mention Captain Marvel and the Carol Corps. Mm-hmm. That one's so fun. Yeah, which is kind of like a night witches kind yes. of thing, right? Like, it's kind of imagining if, like, they had all been pilots during this era. And, like, you know, it just it adds a lot of fun to it. First of all, I think it was the first work that Kelly Thompson did for Marvel. So that's like a interesting groundbreaking moment because Kelly Thompson obviously is writing all kinds of stuff and now. And Kelly Sue DeConnick working with Kelly Thompson on it. How cool is that? Right, right. And Kelly Thompson currently is on Captain Marvel. I think that that's drawing to a close, but I'm not 100%. And also, I've been enjoying it. I think that she's really good with the character. Mm-hmm. But this also pays tribute to the Carol Corps, which is a big part of why the comic became so successful and why there was a movie, you know, like, because not only did Kelly Sue DeConnick do all of this extra work on her side of things, but there was also just a fandom that was so, so into it. So I think that bringing in, like, that bigger group made it pretty fun in a way that the solo series doesn't always get to be. Yeah, and and it's so different, and it's, you know, watching them figuring out piloting and figuring out... The other thing that's fun throughout Battle World is you have characters being like, why do I remember a reality that isn't this reality? And I'm going to be honest, mm. I love that shit. I'm a sucker for it. I'm like, yes, please. Love please it. give me more. And a perfect example of that, which I, I'm guessing you fucking loved, Sarah. I fucking love Ghost Racers. 
Oh, yeah. I did enjoy Ghost Racers quite a bit. What a lot of fun. It's Felipe Smith who's writing. Yeah, it was the same creative team, right? Yes. And and back with Robbie Reyes. Robbie's the, the lead character in it, which is like irresistible. It is so fun. And then like, a lot of these end with like the characters sort of figuring out that something's amiss and, and sort of upending mm-hmm. the status quo, which is really fun. Yeah. And yeah, there's some I didn't enjoy. I really wanted to love Thor's, but I forgot that they were all cops. And so it's just like a cop narrative, which like, I, yeah, I, don't yeah, need, yeah. I don't need, you know. But I love like yeah. Dazzler Thor who shows up in A-Force, you know, like I love Dazzler mm-hmm. Thor. How cool is that? I loved all of, I mean, I think almost all of the X-Men ones, I haven't reread them in a while, but I remember thinking they were really fun and clever at the time. I also think I was not reading X-Men regularly in that moment, so I needed some X-Men in my life, so who knows? I might read them again and be like, I didn't like that, actually. But they reimagine a lot of the stuff, like they reimagine Inferno, they reimagine Extinction Agenda, E is for Extinction, a lot of the stories that are just these main important stories. And I think that they made them fun for me in a in a way that maybe the original stories weren't always. So I enjoyed that. And then, of course, I think that the last one I want to mention was just 1602 Witch Hunter Angela, right? Like, that was so good. Oh, my good. God! I can't believe I even forgot that one. That one is so fun. I just had a lot of fun reading it. It was It's kind of an extension of the other Angela stuff because it's, like, same creative team, like... You know, characters haven't changed too much, basically. So it's kind of just an extension of it, but it is still highly worth it. All in all, I think Secret Wars and Battle World are like a pretty fun, you know, event, two pieces of the event. Yeah, fucking A. Gay Leah. Oh my God. There's parts that it's like, it maybe doesn't hold up or if you like scrutinize it a little bit. But as far as just being a goofy, fun crossover, like I think Secret Wars is honestly one of the better ones because it doesn't get too bogged down and it has this kind of infinity feel to it that makes it be like, you can do whatever, you know, like we're just taking these ideas and kind of running with them and doing whatever. So it's more almost like a creator spotlight of who Mm. was working for Marvel regularly at the time. It's kind of the same as Age of Apocalypse in that way, where it's like every series kind of like Age of Apocalypse was more beholden to like a shared timeline, obviously. And of course, there's an Age of Apocalypse here too, right? Like there's totally... (laughs) A battle world AOA. But the way that they just kind of open it up to like, yeah, go ahead and do whatever you want, I guess, is great. And it just gives the creators a lot of room to be able to do whatever they want. So it makes for a fun read. Yeah, it's it's wacky. Like, I think that's the best description. You have to kind of check all of your feelings about your favorite characters at the door because you have no idea what they're going to do. Will they be a villain? Will they be a hero? What what could happen next? And that's the fun of it, I think. So thank you so much, Anel. We really appreciate your question. We appreciate, oh, it was nice to talk about Leah. I love Leah. And it was nice to talk about magic a little. And yes, we ship it. We want it. Make it part of the main universe. Please, please, mm-hmm. someone give us this gift. I ship Ilyana with kind of a lot of people, but I if we're that. going OTP, <laughs> it's going to have to be with Leah because like, come on, that's just like a perfect matchup. They're different enough, right? They have enough differences to make it just be so, so good. Yeah, they're a match made in hell. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. 
and you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey listeners, thanks for being here with us today. You know one way you can support the pod? You can rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. Now, I know not all of them allow rate and review, but you know what does? Apple, Podchaser, at least a couple of others, Podbean. I don't know what else. And the tricky thing is you don't have to listen to us on those platforms to go rate us over there. Do you see what I'm getting at? You see what I'm getting at? Sneaky, sneaky. Go help us out. It really does help. Every time you rate and review us, it helps someone else see the podcast, and what we're doing. And we know a lot of you are out there doing it. Thank you. Thank you for rating and reviewing us. Thank you for telling your friends about the pod. It means the world to us. The comic of the week is Godzilla in Hell by a whole slew of authors and artists, including... James Stokoe, Bob Eggleton, Ulysses Fairness, Eric C. Freitas, Brandon Seifert, Dave Watcher, Buster Moody, and Ibrahim Mustafa. Again, there are a bunch of other folks, but those are the names we could find. And about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how many guitar riffs are we going to say in this uh, comic of the week? Dun, 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 That's the review. This is the most metal comic. It is so metal. I hope that you like metal because we're here to listen to some metal. (laughs) Godzilla in hell. Hey, it just is what it says it is, you know? (laughs) It's Godzilla in hell. (laughs) We're not here to make a fuss. Like, we don't have to have a whole plot line or whatever for this comic. (laughs) We just need three words. Godzilla in hell hell and it will be awesome this comic is amazing actually the way i learned about this comic 
is friend of the podcast, Hannah Thornock, was looking through library comics and she picked up Godzilla in hell and was like, this looks awesome. <laughs> and she was not wrong. She and was she not was wrong. not wrong. So, well, we can talk about format, right? Because you can read this on like Comixology. It's also available, obviously, in print, and the print version is so cool. And I think you read it via print, right? I did. I did. The local library had it in print, so I I checked it out. So make sure to check your local library. And I believe at the time of recording, it is free to read. If if you're a member of Comixology, you can borrow Godzilla in Hell. I loved the paperback version. I had the trade paperback. And I imagine somewhere out there there's a hardcover. And if you have it, please write in and, and like send us pictures because I bet it is epic. It is great. <laughs> I, you know, this is how the pod goes. Sarah goes, hey, read this comic. And I'm like, I refuse to form an opinion until after I read it because I trust Sarah. And this was one where I was like, all right. I know we love Godzilla. We both love Godzilla. We both love hell shit. I don't know what that says about us, but okay, Godzilla in hell. Like, I get it. I get the premise. And you know what? I'm going to say I'm in. And I regret nothing. I regret <laughs> nothing. It was incredible. Just Godzilla, as you might imagine, stomping through hell, facing adversary after adversary. And as Sarah and I uh, <laughs> shared at the beginning of this review, <laughs> just a lot of guitar riffs in your head. <laughs> Yeah. I love this comic. It has different stories in it. It's five different stories by different writers and artists. The first one is by James Stokoe, who also does an incredible alien story called Dead Orbit, which I highly recommend. Oh my God. One of the bleakest things I have ever read in my life, but very much worth it. And if you're a fan of the Aliens franchise, you gotta. But here, he just gets to, like, 100% go off and do this, like, hyper-detailed, amazing work where Godzilla gets dropped down into hell, literally, and sees the abandon-all-hope-ye-who-enter-here, like, carved in (laughs) stone. And then Godzilla hits it with the fire breath and, like, gets it out, destroys it all. I love that you heard it, too. You're like... Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Destroys it because you know what? Godzilla will not abandon all hope. (laughs) So then there's like some really cool stuff. There's the one where Godzilla comes up against another creature that looks more or less like Godzilla. And then whenever Godzilla goes to fight it, it turns kind of like inside out. Its head like pops up. There's like all of this like teeth and sinew and like all of this stuff. And Godzilla's like, what? A look of shock across Godzilla's beautiful face. Tentacles fly out and, like, grab Godzilla and try to, like, pull Godzilla into the creature's mouth. <laughs> oh, man. And Godzilla just goes, like, rips the creature apart and it's done skis. Uh, and then it's, like, <laughs> it just goes from, like, story to story. Like, the second issue... It's a Bob Eagleton story and art by him, but the way that he does it is like really cool painted art. 
and then a whole narration. So like that story has a full narration. All the rest of these do not have a narration really like at all. Like there will be like a little like note here and there that's just like the monster continues his track across hell or something like that. (laughs) But it doesn't have a story. The second one kind of tries to impart a story and tells you like, oh, here's Godzilla versus Rodan because he's meeting up all of his like villains and stuff through the Everybody he's defeated, right? Like that, he's condemned to hell. Like, how would Godzilla know that? Like, Godzilla's like, I didn't even know there was a hell. Like, here mm-hmm. I am. Is this hell? I don't think of things like hell or not. And you know what, reader? We know it's hell because it's in the title. <laughs> yeah, and gets sucked into a whirlpool by like Ghidorah and oh like, my oh my god, god. there's so it's much so cool stuff. Fun. There's all of these fights, like just epic fight after fight after fight, like a ruined city, like here's a big old bomb. And then there's like the little like fairy creatures. (laughs) They just like swarm Godzilla basically and Godzilla just keeps like crunching them and eating them. (laughs) It's so wild. And yeah, like at the end of every issue, you're like, I wonder what'll happen next. And then Godzilla walks through a portal or falls through a hole or whatever and faces the next big bad. It's like, what's going to happen? More video game. Yeah. so fun it would be a great video game i would totally play the fuck out of that i love this comic yeah i love it the last issue and i I don't know if this is the same character the little creatures you're talking about no this is different these are the little like mouth creatures right the winged creatures we talked about what's the hydra what's the hydra's name oh uh Ghidorah, king monster zero yes so Ghidorah is the last monster that Godzilla faces. And the battle is, yeah. like, so epic. And, like, you know, everything that a Godzilla comic can be. You know, <laughs> they're just, like, they're slugging it out and they're falling on things and they're crushing all this shit. And you're like, this is hell. But also, do people live there? Like, do condemned people live in these buildings? Godzilla doesn't care. Godzilla doesn't care on Earth. Godzilla sure as fuck doesn't care in hell. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Oh, man. And I like, I do like the way they show Godzilla's reactions to things. Because he does, like, oh, yeah. shocked a lot. He's like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm in hell? This is ridiculous. And then, uh, like, I mean, I don't even, I feel like normally we wouldn't, like, completely spoil a comic, but trust me, there is no plot to this comic other than Godzilla in hell, so I don't feel bad telling you that Godzilla literally just walks right back out of hell. (laughs) (laughs) Well, before, so, like, the last issue is, like, you know, the last thing Godzilla has to face. And all these little orange flying babies with, like, big teeth come and, like, strip everything off of Godzilla's skeleton. And then Godzilla's just like a skeleton that looks kind of like pissed off. So good. The whole (laughs) point of this comic essentially is every one of these artists just go all the way off. Oh, that is so cool. Every artist. There's a bunch of pinups. There's some notes in the back that are really fun. But the whole point of the comic is just every artist doing top of their career stuff and being amazing and being like, here, you can tell each person is like, heck yeah, Godzilla, I am about this. And I love that about it. It like drips with just like love for Godzilla, you know? And that is, it makes it so much fun to read. So after he gets eaten by the orange people or the orange little babies, then they become part of Godzilla's body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Godzilla reforms Godzilla and is like, all right, peace, I'm out of hell. (laughs) 
Farewell, everyone. It's been nice <laughs> knowing you. And then there's like a quote from Buddha at the end that's like, oh, it's just it's a little bit overwrought. I appreciate it. I don't have a problem with it. And it's a little overwrought. It's like heaven and hell. The only obstacle you really face is yourself. And it's like, yeah, I got that. You didn't actually have to include that. <laughs> That's not the last quote because the last quote is Godzilla jumping out of the water going, Screeonk! <laughs> <laughs> Fucking perfect. I can it hope is perfect. for nothing more than Yeah, that. the book is just gorgeous. I know that this is not going to be everybody's deal, you know, but like I loved it so much. And as a Godzilla fan, this is the stuff I live for. I mean, come on, Godzilla and hell. What more could I ever ask for? Yeah, Godzilla handing hell's ass to hell. Like, thank you. <laughs> I love it. Like, it's just like a recap of all these big battles, but like with cool new backgrounds. The colors are so good in every single issue. The art is remarkable. It just is so much fun. I, I think it's just one you just cannot miss. And, you know, if you pick it up and you don't love it, it's like, well, it's pretty, pretty quick read. <laughs> Not a lot of words. <laughs> Not a lot of words, but your eyes will feast nonetheless. a podcast that is all about making comic books more accessible to LGBTQ folks and women. So if you have a question about anything related to comics, comic adaptations, pop culture in general, conventions, cosplay, you name it, that's what we're here for. You can send us your questions at bitchesoncomics at gmail.com. Unfortunately, Gmail does not like the word bitch. They're pretty judgy about it. So <laughs> we can't have it spelled out. It is B dot T-C-H-E-S-O-N C-O-M-I-C-S at gmail.com. And yeah, remember, there's no I'm bitch. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by rating and reviewing us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Sarah Century, and you can find me at www.sarahcentury.com and Twitter and Instagram. Still Sarah Century on those. I'm S.E. Fleenor. You can learn more about me at sefleenor.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at at S.E. underscore Fleenor. Bitches on Comics is recorded by Kate Warner, who plays in the band Churchfire. You can find them at churchfiremusic.com. Our music is recorded by Katie Taylor, who plays as Earth Control Pill. You can find her music at earthcontrolpill.bandcamp.com. Bitches on Comics is recorded in Denver, Colorado. We want to recognize the indigenous peoples who have inhabited and do inhabit this land. The Arapaho Nation, the Ute Nation, the Cheyenne Nation, and others who have been erased from our history and collective memories through colonization. Hello, friends. This is Mark Nell, executive producer of the Table Read podcast. 
where imagination meets performance. As we wrap up an incredible season one, we want to take a moment to express our heartfelt gratitude to each and every one of you who tuned in and supported us on this amazing journey. Season one was nothing short of extraordinary. We delved into captivating scripts that transported us to worlds beyond our imagination, thanks to the brilliant writers who delivered these works. But what really brought these stories to life were the talents of our amazing actors. But wait, the excitement doesn't end there. As we bid farewell to season one, we are thrilled to announce the launch of season two. Get ready for more gripping narratives, more unforgettable characters, and more mesmerizing performances that will keep you on the edge of your seat. We have some big surprises coming. The Force will definitely be with you. So stay tuned, stay engaged, and most importantly, stay excited. From all of us at the Table Read Podcast, thank you. And let's make season two even more memorable together.